Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our channel today. We want to encourage you to subscribe and like today's video. Also, today's word is brought to you by our truth partners. These are people who want to financially invest to help us get this message of truth to around the nation and around the world. You can become a truth partner today by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give. Again, thank you for partnering with us on this message of truth. And thank you for liking and subscribing to today's video. God bless you. I pray this sermon blesses your life. You guys ready to get in the word today? I want to share something with you today that, that's been really stirring in me, especially in this latest season of our church, uh, kind of making uh, adjustments to really continue to put first things first and put Jesus at the center. And I was with Pastor Jonathan in the car one day. We were driving, having this conversation about how we've, how we've operated in church for 20 years and how God is starting to do something fresh and new. And he made the statement that he's, he's sharing and starting to become more verbiage. He said, we, we want to be the church that makes, creates space for Jesus and invites people to come. Oftentimes, we've actually done it the opposite way. I think, I think churches in general often do it the opposite way, where we create space for people. We make sure the people are comfortable and everything's good for them, the times and the locations and the and the, the everything we don't offend anybody make sure they are here make sure everyone is saying everyone likes it everyone's happy so that we get crowds of people to show up and the church is growing wow look how big this is and then once we have everyone in the room we're like jesus would you please show up also you know and and we're trying to flip that in even our planning that this these services would be designed for him It'd be, a, it'd be a hosting his presence. It'll be putting him at the center of our planning. What songs are we singing? What time should it be? How do these programs work? How does youth ministry work? What does men's ministry look like? And everything that should be for Jesus first. Because if he shows up, I want to show up. And, I, and maybe not everybody wants to show up. And so we'll invite them, create space for Jesus and invite everyone. And they may or may not want to come, but that's okay. The most important person has shown up. And that's actually what we've been trying to do. And as we do that, and we want to create, not just in our church, but in our personal lives, the place to host him and invite him and make sure he can dwell and, and be with us and live with us. We've got we to gotta be good hosts. I don't know if anybody can relate to this, but when it, come, when it comes time to hosting people at my home, we've got company coming over. Little do they know, but like an hour before they show up, I was running around, sweating, running that vacuum, putting things, shoving things in closet, closing the door, hoping it will stay, putting things in the back room, and, and really setting up the areas that they'll see, the entryway and the living room, and, 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 and running around furiously, sweating, and they didn't know it. I opened the door, and I'm all put together and nice, and they don't, anybody with me on that? Is it just me? I procrastinate. I actually could have set this thing up yesterday, and I just, and I'm running around and doing it. And, and when you have company, you're on your best behavior, right? You're super polite. You're, do you need a drink? You want some coffee? You want me to make you some coffee? You want to, here, have the best seat. We'll move stuff. This is, this is the best seat on the couch you have. We don't even do that for our own family. <laughs> when we have company, we'll wear clothes. Hey, I just want to take a moment and let you know that today's sermon is brought to you by our truth 
partners. If you're interested in being a truth partner, simply go to creativechurch.com slash give and select truth partners today. Again, please subscribe and like today's video. It's blessing you, it's blessing your family. And hey, let's get back to the word. We wouldn't always do that if there was no company, <laughs> right? Or we'll at least wear nice clothes, right? We'll comb our hair. We wouldn't always do that if there was no one coming over. It's just us. But when we have company, we know how to kind of kick it up because we're hosting. We know how to host people. You know, we know how to host a guest in our home. We know how to look out for them, take their coat, right? Make sure that there's place for their shoes when normally shoes are everywhere. But we've, we've cleaned it up for that day. And we're, we're good hosts. We've got company coming over. And I, and I think every believer should learn how to host the Holy Ghost. How to be sensitive to prepare a place for him. Every, every believer should. But what I've learned in that relationship about trying to host the Holy Ghost in my life is that he doesn't just want to be the guest that just sticks in the living room. He actually wants to be welcomed into every back closet and room and attic and garage where I've stuffed things and I've hidden things and it's a mess I don't want anyone to see and I've, I'm making it look good for everybody else. But the Holy Spirit's like, I actually want access to that. There's actually not a part of my heart that he doesn't want to come into. I open up a space for him and I'm like, but don't go into that corner. Lord, that's still, I'm still dealing with some drama and some hurt, and I don't really want to talk about that. But he's like, actually, I don't want to actually just visit like a visitor does. I actually want to make this the place I live. I want to be welcomed here. And I don't care. It takes a lot to be vulnerable enough to let someone in to those areas of our house and those areas of our heart. And, but, but he's wanting that. He doesn't want to just be a visitor. He actually wants to move in. Sometimes I've treated him just like a visitor. I've had him visit. And I love it when he visits. You know, sometimes I have the Holy Spirit in my life. I don't know if anybody's experienced this, but for me, it often causes emotion and and joy and maybe tears. For some people, when the Holy Spirit visits your life, you get really quiet and contemplative and just rest in his presence. And sometimes when the Holy Spirit visits your life, you get loud and run around the room. And however you respond to the Holy Spirit, sometimes we just respond like it's a visit. We don't give him access to everything. We don't invite him everywhere. And we don't let him stay. We don't let him stay. We don't let him into all those places. But if we're going to become good hosts, not just as a church, but individually, each of us, in our, in our own homes, in our own families, in our own lives, if we're going to become good hosts of the Holy Spirit, where we can hold, where he dwells with us, if we're going to become that, we need to learn what he's like, what he likes, what he doesn't like, his characteristics. Because if I'm invited over or I invite someone over, there's often a text a couple days before saying, hey, what do you not eat? And you, anybody ever get that? Because you're preparing a meal, you want to cater the menu to what, they, what their appetite is. So maybe someone doesn't eat seafood, so you're like, well, we're not going to do seafood. You find out that they're lactose intolerant, so you're like, oh, I need to get that, the dairy-free ice cream for them coming over 
which we did that. We had some lactose intolerant guests and we got the dairy-free ice cream and then a day later it's sitting there in our freezer. I'm like, now what are we gonna do? But I tried it, you know, and it's actually not that bad. So I, I ate the rest. But you do, you cater, when you have a guest, when you've got company coming over, you wanna cater to their appetite. So it's good for us to, as we become better hosts of the Holy Spirit, to find out what is he like? What, is he, what does he consume? What, what, what does he appreciate? What can he not tolerate? What, what is, and, the Holy, and the Holy Spirit is described throughout scripture in various ways, in one significant way that He's described as found in Matthew, Mark chapter 1, and this is right when John the Baptist is baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River and, and fully immerses him underwater. And then in verse 10, it says this, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove, a dove. The Holy Spirit is described here, and we, get start, we start to get a picture of the Holy Spirit as a dove. And, and a lot of versions say the dove remained on him. I don't want to get to just a life where the dove, the Holy Spirit, just visits me. It just comes, I want, it, I want it to remain with me. So I want, now think about a dove. And I think if a dove right now just landed right here on my shoulder, first I'd probably freak out and try to swat it away. And then I'm like, oh, no, God, okay, I got it. It's the Holy Spirit. I get it. So, but if I had a dove resting on my shoulder now and I wanted it to stay, it would change the way I walk. It would change my actions. It would change the atmosphere I set. It would change the way I speak. It would change my tone. Because a dove is very flighty. A dove can, you know, sudden movements, chaos. The dove is just going to leave. But if God is trying to describe his spirit like a dove, and we should realize when we have the Holy Spirit, if we want him to remain, it might have to adjust a little bit of the way we walk, the way we live what we allow in our lives, what we surround, our, what rooms we walk into, what people we hang around. What games we used to play that we will now opt out. If we want them to stay. And I want, I want them to stay. I want to be a good host of the Holy Spirit. And this, this dove analogy is actually all throughout Scripture. Back in the Genesis chapter Eight, Noah and his family were on the ark. It had flooded. They were the only ones left, him and the animals and everybody. And they're on this ark wondering now what do we do? There's no playbook for this. This is unprecedented. No one can coach Noah on what to do next. How do you repopulate the earth? How do you, where do you even land? You can't even see any land. 
It's all water. Where do you start over? When should you start over? When's going to be the right time to park the ark and start to rebuild? The, how, how do we know? So he, the only person he could go to to find out was God. God was the only one that had to instruct him now on what to do. What does the next chapter hold for him and his family? How is he going to do this next phase of his life? The world is completely different. Everything was destroyed by the flood. And so he's, he found a dove on the boat, and, and he sent the dove out to hopefully find out if there's land somewhere. And Genesis 8, 9 says, but the dove could find nowhere to perch because there was water all over the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove. Remember, the dove is the Holy Spirit. And brought it back to himself in the ark. You might come to a church like this sometimes and look around while they're singing songs and wonder, why are people stretching forth their hands to someone invisible? It's kind of strange. But it's actually symbolic of a lot of things. One is surrender. One is when my two-year-old son is whatever's going, tired, hurting, frustrated, anything, he'll walk up to his father with his arms like this because we realize I can't do this by myself. Father, I need you. And here's Noah saying, Here's Noah saying, I want the Holy Spirit to remain. I want the Holy Spirit to always be welcomed here. I want the I stretch forth man to receive that dove back to me. Because that's why we do it. Sometimes we come in here, we're just like, Holy Spirit, I need you. I've been going through a rough week. I've been going through some things. Maybe you're not even at church when this happens. You're just by yourself. You start lifting up your hands. No one's even around. You're not trying to impress anybody. You're just trying to welcome the Holy Spirit. And there's a welcoming of the Holy Spirit like that. And this is what Noah was doing and the the dove is the holy spirit and brought back something when he finally found something brought back that that olive leaf and i i wondered about that because it was just seven days between the first dove trip and the last one and I don't know if the water has covered this earth and destroyed everything for over 100 days, covered in water. The flood had come. I don't know if the water started receding. I don't know that. And the tree, the top of the tree started showing. I don't know that seven days is enough time for fresh leaves to appear. Enough for the dove to pluck the leaf. I wonder... If, I wonder if this leaf that was going to represent the answer, represent the solution, represent some direction for Noah, I wonder if this leaf actually was already there on the first trip. I wonder if, if the leaf had already, trees had already started to be shown and leaves were starting to grow again, because it usually takes longer than seven days. I wonder if it was already happening, but God didn't reveal that to Noah yet because he wanted to see if, if the Holy Spirit would still be welcome. He wanted to see if he could trust Noah. He wanted to see if when that dove came back, if Noah would, would receive it, whether there was an answer or not. Would we receive the Holy Spirit, whether he's answering our prayers 
whether he's given us a clear direction, whether we're hearing his voice, whether we see a sign or not. Would we receive the Holy Spirit if that still means we're in the dark and questioning things and confused? Could, could Noah be trusted to still stretch forth his arms, even in the scary times and even when the storm, the, the, the remnants of the storm is, and the destruction is still there in his life? Well, could he receive that dove? So that the next time when the dove went out, it finally found that leaf. And that leaf is an olive leaf, represents what they made oil out of, olive oil. And throughout the rest of Scripture, and even till today, the olive oil represents the anointing of God, the empowerment of God, and the blessing and favor of God on your life. That they were, God was letting him know that this next season, I'm anointing you for it. I'm empowering you for it. It's never been done before, but I'm giving you everything you need. But he got that because he could show the Holy Spirit that you can trust me. You can dwell here. You can, live, you can come home here anytime. You are welcome here. You have a key to this house. You're no longer just a visitor that we set an appointment when you can show up so that I can clean up real quick. You can come anytime whether I'm ready or not, whether you, you've, you're giving me an answer or not, whether you're blessing me with something or not. You're welcome anytime. Holy Spirit. Some of us, the storm might be over. The flood in our lives might be over, but the destruction and the damage and the question marks that are left behind is still there. And you need the Holy Spirit to come tell you something. And I'm challenging you to say, are we the people that the Holy Spirit can come to and be received? 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you. You are God's temple. We think of this church and this building as God's temple, and rightly so. It is the design, a place, a sanctuary, a holy place that we come and worship together, right? But that's not his only temple. I was one day, I don't do this as consistently as I should, but one day I was at the gym. And I was walking out of the gym with my friend Marius, who has been encouraging me to go to the gym. And so I did it. That morning I had done it. And I was like, this feels good. This feels, you know, when you finally do it, you're like, it's like the tabernacle prayer. The day you actually do it, you're like, oh my gosh, that was actually really good. I feel really refreshed. I feel like I'm set up for the day. I walked out of the gym feeling like I have a bunch of muscles and I didn't. I just was walking out and uh, we're talking about uh, making that more consistent. And then he challenged me another level and he started talking to me about what I eat come on can you just give me this I did the gym thing can we just and then he started quoting scripture don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit I'm like and but then I really started thinking about it because when I think about the temple of the Holy Spirit when I think about God's house where he lives I think of this place and when I think of this place, I really love my church. I really love Creative Church. I love this place. I love the, the atmosphere. I love this building. I, and I'm very careful with it. And there's a lot of people in here that serve in church and care so much about this church and contribute so much to this church that we make sure this place is clean, this place is neat, everything's in working order. If something's broken, we get it repaired because this, we want excellence here. We have children in this church who every Sunday at the end of Sunday, am I right? At the end, they wash windows. 
down the kids' hallway, all those glass windows, little kids, third and fourth graders are cleaning because they believe this is the house of God and they want to contribute to making it excellent, which is awesome. It should be clean. We should take out the garbage. This place shouldn't stink. Am I right? We shouldn't just have garbage around. We shouldn't have things broken all the time. We should, and, and we do, we have such an excellent uh, house for God. And I care so much about that, you know? I'll walk around, if I, I, I walk around the parking lot, and if I see any piece of garbage, I'll, I pick it up because it's God's house. I won't let any garbage in God's house, but God reminded me this is not my only house. This is also my house. And why are you so lenient on what kind of garbage gets in there? Because we live every day with that house. We come here once a week. So it's a little easier to be like, I can, I can maintain this house looking good. But my house and this house, is the Holy Spirit always welcome there? Or am I allowing certain things that I wouldn't allow in his holy temple, forgetting that this is actually his holy temple too? For the Holy Spirit. Not just the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He's holy. And we think about it. If there's things that if I played certain movies on this screen right here in this sanctuary, you would say, no, we can't play that. This is church. We can't play that movie, but when we're out of this church and we're dealing with this holy, holy temple, we will watch it. The sound guy can actually play a song right now, and when the beat drops, some of us know what that song already is and what lyric is about to come up, and we say, cut, we can't play that in church. You can't play that in church. But when we're with our holy temple, driving around our car, we crank it up. We have such a respect for this temple, which is awesome. We watch what we say. We watch our language. I'm in church. I can't say that. i got to watch my language. We have a hard time watching our language because we don't watch it the rest of the week when we're at this temple. All right, we got to decide if, if, this is God, if this is what God's word says and this is the holy temple of God, are we, are we treating it like the holy temple of God? Not just with the donuts and the pizza, although I got to work on that, but also anything spiritual that we're allowing in this atmosphere, right? If we really had the dove on our shoulders, there's certain things we would or wouldn't do every day. Every day, if we want him to stay with us every day. If we want him to stay, you yourself. And then I realize I don't want, I don't want just the Holy Spirit to just bless me. Sometimes I want him to break me. I want him to change me. I want him to take some of the stuff that I'm just used to and I'm just allowed to be okay and just challenge it and fix it and, and mess up my whole thought process about it. I, I want that because I want him to stay. I want it to be his house. The problem is I just think it's my house and I want his power. But we don't, I, I got to get to a place where I, I don't just want the presence of his power. I want the power of his presence. There are things that just come to mind when I'm doing this tabernacle prayer. When I'm spending real time with God, I, I, have, I have something I can take notes with. 
because things just come to mind. And I figure if I'm in the presence of God right now, I might as well write that down, even if, it mean, even if it's um, buy bananas. Buy bananas? I'll write it down. It might be the Holy Spirit. I don't know. <laughs> Call that friend you haven't talked to in two years. I don't know why I thought of that. I'm going to write it down. I'm in the presence of God. If there's a time he's going to speak to me, it's probably right now. Because he'll start orchestrating stuff in your life and speaking to you as you spend time with him. And we don't spend time, so we never know what he's saying. And then we're confused at every crossroad and decision we have to make. We don't have confidence in the decisions we make because we don't know if the Holy Spirit told us or not. So I want to encourage us to spend more time with him. He'll build our faith. You know, when we increase our faith, we, were, we start to think of how, like John said earlier today, that nothing is impossible with God, right? We start to think of all the great things he can do, especially the things we've seen him do. We believe he can heal that. And when you, when you build your faith, you start thinking, man, God is so big. Now I respond in prayer when all my friends are responding with freaking out to this crisis. And I, because I have faith. And, and faith places no limitations on God. But the cool thing is God also places no limitations on faith. When we get to the end of what we think we can believe in, I don't know if I can believe for that. I've got faith for this. This is much, I don't, I've never seen God do that. We're Noah saying, I don't know where he's going to take me next, but God can actually help us increase our faith because our faith uh, because he's unlimited. His power is unlimited. His source is unlimited. He's unlimited. He can actually do anything. So he wants to increase our faith the more we spend time with him. Turn to the person next to you and say, we've got company. We've got company. We've got to host them well. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Acts 4.13, there's these two apostles, Peter and John, and they just preached this bold, crazy, radical message, and people got saved and people got healed, and they've been walking in authority and power. I mean, it's just amazing what they've been doing, and Acts 4.13 says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You know, there's actually no real logical reason why I would be on this stage with this microphone. Like, I don't, I'm not necessarily qualified for it or super educated for it or been, you spent all my life in school for the knowledge and the understanding or anything like that. I, I don't know. I, you know, there's, there's teenagers in our church that's really peculiar, really interesting. There's teenagers playing bass today and singing and playing keyboard today. And there's teenagers, high schoolers that are teaching our kids the gospel of Jesus Christ as we speak right now. And they're, they sit on the front row in services and they come on Wednesday night regularly. And I'm on this text feed that we just started with teenagers in our church, some of our youth leaders, high schoolers that are serving God. And they're on this text feed and, uh, and they check in every morning when they pray, when they get up. Middle of summer, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7.45, teenagers are waking up and saying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm doing tabernacle prayer. Here's the scripture. Teenagers, that's weird. That's not normal. And there's no reason. They don't have a master's in divinity. You know what I mean? They're not Bible scholars. There's no reason. But I'm astonished at their boldness and their faith. And I can tell that they have been with Jesus. That's the only thing I know. There's no other reason why they're like that. 
There's no other reason why this light is shining from them. There's some of us in the room that are like, man, I wish my teenager was like that. How do I get my teenager on that group feed? Get encouraged by teenagers. I'm telling you, one of the ways is when your church creates a space for Jesus, like the Young and Creative Conference in a few weeks, to not ignore it and sign them up for everything else this summer except that. Because that, that's designed to teach our teenagers how to access the presence of the Holy Spirit regularly. But we'll skip it. We'll sign them up for all the sports. We'll pay triple, double for camps for sports and cheerleading and soccer. And then when it's youth conference, we're a little too busy. We're on family vacation that week. Baseball practice is taking over. If it were me and I had teenagers in the church and my church was hosting a place where my teenagers could learn how to get in the presence of God and learn how to pray for real, have a prayer life, and not just go back and forth with how committed they are with God, but stay consistent with them, they can learn to get around other teenagers like that, that, there's nothing else I can sign them up for that could do that for them. Because I'm thinking beyond whether they can get a scholarship to college on basketball. I'm thinking about whether they can get into heaven. And do they know him? Do they know him? That's, that's my plug for the youth conference. In fact, we did something, you know, what's really cool is we have so many amazing, generous people in this church that have given so much to help cut the cost for a lot of students. So we've created uh, these $100 off scholarships because of the generosity of extra people adding giving. So thank you for everyone who's given to that. $100 off scholarships. Oh, there's a code. YCC2023, that's the code. You can actually go in there. There's only a few left. So if your teenager isn't registered yet, and you're like, the reason why is because it's a challenge financially, we're trying to make it easier. We're trying to bless some of those families because of the generosity and people, of people in this church. And um, just put that code in, jump on it. Like, you can do it during service right now. You can just jump on your phone and say, I'm going to beat everyone to this scholarship and get my students there. It's two and a half days right here at this campus. We got other churches from the Midwest coming. And we're hosting it. And it's powerful. It's life-changing. You know, those camps and conferences is what set my life as a teenager on a completely different course than where it was going. You know, and I, and I, and I really accredit a lot of those moments at those camps and those conferences in the summer when I was a teenager. Even through my young adult years, I kept going because I wanted to volunteer. I just wanted to be there because it was so powerful. And that's really shaped a lot of my faith and my life and my, my walk with God and my understanding of scripture and my experiences with the Holy Spirit, my faith being built up. So I take advantage of it. In fact, if you got something else that's on the calendar that's gonna block you from coming, cancel that. Cancel it and say, I gotta put priority where priority is. I gotta put first things first in my family and in my teenagers' lives. Bring them, it'll be good. When was the last time someone was so astonished by your faith that they made a note? Even they didn't even really believe in Jesus, but they made a note. You must have been with him. Like Peter and John, they must have been with Jesus. 
They were just ordinary men. But when God adds his extra to your ordinary, you can do extraordinary things for him. The the worship team can come back up because I want to close with this. I have in my house, all over the house, these little things are all over the place. They're called outlet covers. Because I have a two-year-old who is an explorer and wants to explore and wants to discover things, very inquisitive, very curious, and will no doubt find his way if we didn't protect these outlets with outlet covers. So they're all over the house. Because if you're a kid and you don't understand, you don't know. They're just a couple of holes, a piece of plastic, and it looks like, well, let me see what this does. Right? And there's moments where all of a sudden there's quiet in the house. You're like, hold on. Where is he at? What is he doing? Right? And uh, so we have those outlet covers because we know that I can take this phone charger. and, And this is specifically designed as an adult. We've learned that even though we don't see it, we know that behind that outlet, there's wires and connections that go throughout the house, that go throughout the city, that connect to energy and a source of power that is really powerful. This electricity that's there, there's so much of it. It can do so many amazing things. There's a lot of benefits we have from it. And these things are designed specifically to plug into the outlet and receive the power that's there and harness that power into my phone that was dying and now can come back to life. We know that. We know how this works, but if you don't know how it works, you might take something like this. You don't know. You don't even know how this is supposed to work. No one's ever told you. You might take something like this, and the truth is, you will still access the power. You won't miss the power. You will still access the electricity that's in there, just not the way you really want. And I think sometimes what we do is we, is we try to access God and His Holy Spirit the way we feel or want, or someone told us, or we watched on YouTube how to do it come to church every once in a while, watch a couple guys on YouTube, access, access, and the power of God is there, but it actually just shocks you instead of charges you. There's actually designs that God has given us on how to access it, right? Like the tabernacle prayer. Like church. Like small groups. Those are biblical ways that God has given us on how to access that power in a designed way, designed by the one who has the power. And when you learn it, when you finally learn it, like it's people who have started to get access to this tabernacle prayer and have seen what God will do because of that design, they're like, oh my gosh, this is so great. I'm never sticking a fork in that again. I don't want it that way. I, I, don't, want, I don't want just the entertainment of church or the emotional high of church or some motivational speaker to stir me up. And then I got a shock from him and I feel the vibes and I feel the electricity and a couple days later my batteries are dead again. It's like the youth conference, this is is not designed to be this. 
where we just shock. It's not designed to be the lecture that you gave them one day thinking you can shock them into behaving. And they do behave for just a couple of days. My stern talk with them must have done it. A couple of days later, it's like, no, I guess it didn't. Because they don't need a shock. They need to be charged. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, In the presence of God, this is Paul writing to a young leader named Timothy. He says, In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. This is Paul giving an assignment to Timothy, but not just an assignment, because the pastor gave us an assignment where we can just be like, well, he assigned us to read this book every day. I guess I got to read this book. And it's just like a task. But it's not just an assignment. It's a charge, which is not only will I give this for you to do, but I'm going to give you the power to do it. That's a charge. And I'm going to give you the power to sustain it, to stay charged, not just shocked. And God is giving us a charge on all the different things that he's designed for you to do. A purpose for you, a calling for you, a ministry calling for you, a way that you're going to lead and you're going to have an impact on this world. He's charging you like Paul was charging Timothy. And where was Paul, had, where did Paul have the authority to charge him like this? He tells you right there. He tells you exactly where he was and why he has the power to charge Timothy. Let's put that verse back up there. It says, he was in the presence of God. Paul. He was in the presence. He had Christ in his life. He had the kingdom in his life. And from that place where he was accessing this unlimited power, he was able to charge Timothy. Some of us need to get around leaders and pastors, especially if we don't know how to get a charge on our own. Until we do, we got to get around some people in our small group and let them charge us. So we learn how to charge others. And the only way you can charge someone is not because Paul was so motivational, but Paul was so smart. Paul was so strong. Paul was in the presence of God. He was, he had the kingdom in his life. Jesus himself, and one of my favorite scriptures, uh, Luke 17, 21, said people are going everywhere here and there to look for the kingdom of God. Look for where God lives, where God dwells. And, and sometimes we do that. We jump from church to church or this preacher to that preacher or this therapy and this book and this program and this meditation and, all, and this app and all these things. Trying to find where God dwells and try to find God. And Jesus said, don't look there for the kingdom and don't look there for the kingdom. The kingdom of God is within you. I'm actually trying to place it in you and live with you so that anytime, any moment, you could be at church or not and you could have access to my presence. You have access to this power. You learn how to plug in and get a real charge that stays. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I, I, I've, I've been shocked. I've, I've had those shocking moments with the Holy Spirit and then realize it fades away. And I'm, I'm saying, God, I don't want to just visit me. I want you to stay. I want to be charged. I want my batteries to be full. I want to be like when Moses got to that place in Exodus 33 when he said, Man, I've, I've seen you heal, and I've seen, you, I've seen you even deliver. You did a mass deliverance. But I don't want just the deliverance. I want the deliverer. And he said this statement, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't even want to go. If your presence doesn't go with us, I don't even want to take anyone anywhere. 
I don't want just what's in your hand that you can give me, God. The Bible says seek his face, not just his hand. Seek his face, which is where you get to know him and you actually have him in your life and you're getting a relationship with him and, he's, and you're getting familiar with him. We need to host the Holy Spirit. Like Pastor Jonathan often says, what's the blessing without the blesser? What's the provision without the provider? What's the healing without the healer? What's the miracle without the miracle worker? What is it to know the way? And if you don't know the way maker, it's not enough to just have the things of God if we don't have him. Does anybody want him today? Does anybody want him today? I just want everyone to stand up for just a moment. And before, before we leave, just a moment, I want you to do like Noah and just stretch forth. Everyone stand up. Stretch forth your hands to him. Don't worry about what anybody's looking at. Just you, just you and him for just a moment. Stretch forth your hands as if you want to invite him, as if you're reaching for something, as if you're reaching for someone. You're reaching for the Holy Spirit to dwell in your life. And as you have your hands up, I know there's somebody in here that has been needing something to change. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a challenge in your life. And it's been the same for years. And you don't know how to fix it. You don't know how to get through. You don't know how to get changed. But God is going to transform you. His word says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, with unveiled faces, we behold him as like a mirror. So the Lord is transforming us into his image. He's taking us from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. Let's watch the Holy Spirit work here. There's somebody in here that has some fear right now, some worry. Somebody in here that's actually worried about a miracle or a healing. Maybe it's for a family member and the healing has not come yet. The miracle has not, the provision, the financial breakthrough, whatever it is, hasn't come yet. And you're starting to worry. You're starting to live in a little bit of fear, wondering if it will ever come, if God will ever bring that promise. He promised it, but now you're starting to doubt if he even promised it. But I'm telling you that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous will run into it and be saved. That strong tower is not this building. That strong tower is the presence of God that you can get every day every moment of your life if you host him and you will live in safety and you will live without fear you will live without that worry in Jesus name that's what the Holy Spirit does when we host him some of you are hearing his voice You've been hearing it. It's maybe even been waking you up. You're not even sure if it, it's him or what it is, but I'm telling you, like 1 Samuel 3, chapter 10, next time you hear that voice, just respond with, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. When you wake up again at that random hour that you've been waking up for some reason, every single night he's been waking you up, just say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. I want to host you. I want to know what you have for me. I want to know where you want to take me. I want to write down whatever I hear, and I want to walk in it. I want to host your Holy Spirit at any time. Sometimes it happens in the middle of the night or super early in the morning because that's sometimes the only time he can get our attention. Because once the day gets going, we get busy work and life and our own stuff that we can't even hear him anymore. And he's trying to get your attention. Some of you, he's waking you up with dreams. 
and you don't know what's going on, that is the Lord. Say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Some of you are supposed to go into ministry and lead. Some of you are supposed to sign up for the internship program this fall at Creative Church to step into ministry. And and I'm telling you, don't ignore it. Don't fight it. Just say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Where you go, I'll go. I'll follow. Anybody want the Holy Spirit? Anybody want him to remain? Come on, let's sing this song. Everyone together, say Holy Spirit. Everyone sing that. Sing Holy Spirit. Come on. given a call to God in the morning or whenever I squeeze in my prayer time and I talk with him for a little bit and then I say okay bye God and I hang up with my phone in my pocket for the rest of the day prayer without ceasing means amen I'll talk to you later God and then you keep the line open right there all day you walk with him like that you go to work like that you deal with people like that you go to the hospital like that you go to the bills like that You walk around like that, where at any given moment, he's still got your ear. And if he wants to say something to you, he'll speak it to you. You kept the line open. If you want to call on his name, you don't have to dial again. You already got him on the line. That's prayer without ceasing. That's that constant. Imagine, imagine if this room people would spend at least one week from here till next Sunday when we gather again in prayer without ceasing where we lived as if that dove was really on our shoulder, like he wants to stay with us, where we didn't go certain places, didn't do certain things, didn't allow certain things anymore because we know the Holy Spirit is here, where we really treated this like his temple. Imagine, I charge you today in the presence of God. I charge you today in Christ to live that life as if you are his temple to stay connected don't allow just anything to happen and anything to go and whatever the world is doing we'll do the same thing draw the line and say no that doesn't belong in this temple 
And from here on, I'm not hanging up. We're going to dismiss here. I'm not going to hang up on God and see you next Sunday. I'm going to stay on the line at any given moment. He's with me. I can talk to him. I can talk while I'm driving. I can talk in the shower. I can talk at bedtime. I can talk in the morning. I can call on him. He can speak to me. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your truth that you've spoken, that your truth will set us free. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom. Jocelyn, God gave me a word for you, and I think this resonates. And the one word was earlier today, and the word is authority. That you don't even know how much authority you really have. And the authorities that God's going to give you when you sing those songs, when you lead people because you're speaking the way God wants you to speak. You're declaring what God wants you to declare. And there's some people in this room that are just like that. You have more authority than you know in the power of God. It's breaking chains that you can't even see. It's tearing down walls that you don't even know. Anybody want that kind of authority? I charge you in the presence of God to walk in the authority that he has given you that you don't have to fear or wonder if you're saying the right thing doing the right thing singing the right song God is giving you authority with scripture in your heart with prayer in your in your heart and in your spirit that you'll have the authority he's given you I thank you for what you've done today at Creative Church keep us all week long in your presence teach us how to be hosts of the Holy Ghost in Jesus name amen God bless you guys have an awesome awesome week hey if this sermon blessed you and your family I want to encourage you to be a truth partner you can do that by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give and partnering with us to help get this message of truth out to more people in our nation and around the world it is our truth partners that make this a reality again thank you for subscribing to our channel. Thank you for liking today's video. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon.